the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Media. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Thank you so much. You're tuning heart to the truth. You're tuning. Thank you for tuning your heart to the truth. I'm Kathy Smith, along with Alicia Cuebido and Damian Colado. Hey guys. Good, good morning. morning, Gabby. We're all tuning our hearts to the truth. Yeah, we're right? all heart. It, it's all good. Yes. You did it right. We're all doing that. Listen, okay, to, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Today is the Memorial of St. Francis de Sales. So let's begin this morning in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, who for the salvation of souls willed that the Bishop St. Francis de Sales became all thing, become all things to all, graciously grant that following his example, we may always display the gentleness of your charity in the service of our neighbor. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, St. Francis de Sales, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a great show for you today, starting off like we usually do with events in our listening area. We will give you details about that is coming up in eight minutes. In 18 minutes, Debbie Shelley joins us. She is the assistant editor with the Catholic Commentator, which is the official Catholic newspaper of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And she's going to give us an update of what you're going to be finding in this week's issue. In 35 minutes, Steve Ray joins us. He is a Catholic convert and pilgrimage leader. And today we're going to be learning a little bit more about St. Paul's conversion. So if you want to learn something new you've never learned before about St. Paul's conversion, definitely stay tuned for Steve Ray's segment. I always learn something new when we have Steve join us for our morning show. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. And this interview as well in 48 minutes, Gilda Johnson Brister joins us. She is a caseworker with Therapeutic Family Services with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and she is going to be telling us a little bit more about the services they provide in the Crescent City. So looking forward to some great guests today. And Damien, looking forward to your weather report today. What do you have? Yeah, well, (laughs) old man winter hasn't left town yet. Uh, If you step outside, you know exactly what I mean. Temperatures are in the 40s right now, and the wind is starting to pick up, which makes it even colder. Uh, It Mm. should warm up they say in the forecast today to about 60 or so uh, we'll find out for sure Uh, it's hard to believe right now the winds are going to be gusting at 20 to 25 miles an hour and could go up to 40 miles an hour as the day progresses and rain showers we may see a shower here and there in the morning hours and as the day goes on as that front approaches you're going to get more and more chances of rain 
I don't think it'll get here until late afternoon, early evening. Once it blows through, the temperatures are going to start dropping. And when they do, they're going to drop pretty fast. Uh, could expect two to four inches of rain with that front as it rolls through. Possible hail and tornadoes as well. So be on the lookout and be aware of any uh, weather alerts that you may receive. Uh, as I said, it should blow through by around midnight. Temperatures for tomorrow high in the 50s. Lows are going to be in the 30s. Wednesday through Friday, no rain in the forecast. So that's the good news once this front blows through. Temperatures in and around the area, home in Thibodeau, it's 51 degrees. The same holds true in the Crescent City. Over in Bay St. Louis, it's 46, Slidell 45, and in Baton Rouge, it's 46 degrees. And so uh, be aware, be cautious, have a rain jacket with you, and uh, just be safe if you're on the roads when that front starts blowing through. It's going to be a, it's going to be a dandy for a little bit. With that being said, we have a number of events that you're going to want to be aware of. Really some fun ones that we're going to share with you and some uh, informative ones as well. So don't go too far. It's 5 after on the Tuesday morning on Wake Up. A good Tuesday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker with today's Gospel, taken from Mark chapter 3. The mother of Jesus and his brothers arrived at the house. Standing outside, they sent word to Jesus and called him. A crowd seated around him told him, Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. But he said to them in reply, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those seated in the circle, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. We've heard the gospel. Now we reflect. Who are the brothers of Jesus mentioned here and in other places in the New Testament? Are they, as some have claimed, Jesus' biological siblings? Those who make this false assertion stake their position on the Greek verb adelphos, which does identify a biological sibling. However, that literalistic interpretation leads to some absurd conclusion. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6, St. Paul informs us that 500 brothers saw the risen Jesus at one time. Now, no serious biblical scholar claims that the apostle was referring to 500 biological brothers. Clearly, St. Paul was identifying Christian disciples who became brothers in Christ. Both in Hebrew and Aramaic, these languages lacked a word for cousins. In fact, the Old Testament used the term brother for a variety of relatives, including cousins and uncles, as well as close friends and allies. The New Testament simply follows the same practice. The ancient church understood this practice and unanimously held that Mary remained a virgin throughout her life. Furthermore, when specific brothers of the Lord are named, like James and Joseph, other passages in the New Testament specifically identify them as the sons of someone other than the Blessed Virgin Mary. The sacred text is always very careful to specify that only Jesus is the child of Mary, no one else. This traditional understanding of the brothers of the Lord fits perfectly into the point of view of today's gospel. In a culture in which family and tribal ties were all important, Jesus was establishing a new family, the family of God whose members are intimately united to him in a bond of love far stronger than blood relationships. We enter this family 
just as Jesus did by doing God's will. Bottom line, did Mary have other children biologically? No. Supernaturally, yes. We are all here, spiritual children, as the book of Revelation states. Then the dragon, Satan, was angry with the woman, Mary, and went off to make war on the rest of our offspring. Who is that? You and me and the whole church, on those who keep the commandments of God and bear testimony to Jesus. Have a wonderful day. This is Jimmy Sayers. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Father Chris. It's almost 11 after the hour on a Tuesday morning. Welcome back to Wake Up. And uh, with our events calendar, if you're hungry, we've got something right up your alley. There's going to be a pulled pork dinner. Now, some people, I call it lunch. They call, some people call it dinner. But it's going to be uh, from 11 to 1245 when you can pick them up at St. Margaret, Queen of Scott, uh, Queen of Scotland Church in Albany slash Hammond area. So uh, if you're looking for a great dinner or lunch and you can pick this pulled pork dinner up, it includes uh, the sandwich, baked beans, coleslaw and dessert. It's all put on by the Knights of Columbus, as well as the Ladies Auxiliary of the Knights of Columbus, uh, St. Margaret, Queen of Scotland Church, uh, Father Jamin Davidge Church Parish. If you'd like more information, you can call Glenn Young at 225-964-0947. Order your plate lunches today. They're just $10 each. And as I said, you get a big dinner, and it's all going to go for a good cause to help the church parish. That's awesome. Well, we've been talking about it for a while, and it's about to start. Notre Dame Seminary Bible Marathon starts tomorrow, January 25th, and it goes through January 29th. That's Notre Dame Seminary. They have a public reading of the entire Bible starting again tomorrow, Wednesday at 12.10 p.m., and it will end on Sunday, January 29th at 5.30 p.m. There are available spots if you'd like to read uh, part of the Bible during the Bible Marathon. You need to go to nds.edu slash NDSBM, that's Notre Dame Seminary Bible Marathon, to sign up or just come to the front lawn of Notre Dame Seminary on Carrollton Avenue in New Orleans for that Bible Marathon starting tomorrow uh, afternoon. Very exciting. Well, this is also a very exciting event. It's called Theology on the Rocks and actually proceeds benefit Sacred Heart of Jesus School. It's happening this Sunday, January 29th at 5 p.m. at Bin 77 in Perkins Row. That was one of my favorite places to go to uh, with some girlfriends. It's just such a beautiful area. Uh, patio that they'll be in the patio if the weather permits, but it's going to be with Father Josh Johnson and Father Ruben. So $50 registration includes uh, some light appetizers beginning at 4 p.m. There is a cash bar available and limited seating is available. Like I said, proceeds benefit Sacred Heart of Jesus School. For more information and to register, you can go to sacredheartbr.org. All righty. The New Orleans Men's Conference is coming up. The 2023 Archdiocese of New Orleans Men's Conference is going to be held on March 4th at St. Catherine of Siena in Metairie. Uh, now's the time to sign up. Men of all parishes are encouraged to attend, and there's going to be speakers, prayer, mass, confession. And the theme this year is 
as Christ loved the church. So if you would like to register, tickets are $45, students are 20, there's going to be a light breakfast, lunch, and you get a t-shirt to go along with it to tell everybody you attended this year. And also, if you register early, here's a promo code. You can save an extra 10 bucks. It's SCS NOLA Men 23. Okay? So when you go to the website, which I'm going to give you in a second, make sure you type in SCS NOLA Men 23 and you're going to get a $10 discount. Here's the website for the men's conference NOLA Catholic Men. Dot com. Pretty easy, right? NolaCatholicMen.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, real quick. I know we're about to go to a break, but we'll cr- real quick, if you go to ccmedia.live, you can find out information about Advent at Sea and set sail with Father Chris Decker and your Catholic community media family on a seven, um, a seven night, that would be nice, a four night Western Caribbean cruise, <laughs> December 7th through 11th. Check it out. That deposit is due very soon. All right. Yep. Got it all in. Yep. Stick around because we've got some more coming your way. Some great guests that we'll be talking to here on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for January 24th. Today we celebrate St. Francis de Sales. A father can wish his son might follow in his footsteps, but wishing isn't always enough. Francis de Sales was, in the eyes of his father, sure to be a lawyer and would take his elder's place as a senator from France. The young man studied law, but felt called to the priesthood. Francis, ordained in 1593, demonstrated special talents in preaching and serving the poor and sick. In the Diocese of Geneva, he was able to reconvert many of the Catholics there who had lapsed into Calvinism. He achieved great success through preaching and distributing small pamphlets he wrote to explain true Catholic doctrine. At 35, he became Bishop of Geneva. For his writings, Francis de Sales has been named patron of the Catholic press. His works, filled with his gentle spirit, are addressed to lay people. He's also remembered for his collaboration with another saint, Jane Francis de Chantal, in founding the Sisters of Visitation. Francis de Sales once maintained he had a quick temper, but few saw evidence of it. His perennial meekness and sunny disposition have won for him the title Gentleman Saint. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Good morning. It's 19 minutes after the hour. Thanks for tuning your heart to the truth on Catholic Community Radio. I'm Alicia Quibido with Gabby Smith and Damian Collado. Just if you're keeping tabs, Damian's on his second piece of boudin king cake from the Heavenly Donut. <laughs> yes. It smells fabulous. It so. is good. We got a cream cheese and a boudin yes. king cake from the Heavenly Donut. Wow. Place your orders in advance. That's right. You got to go online. They're not going to have them waiting for you. They sell them too fast. And uh, we want to thank them for our nice little morning treat. Absolutely. And of course, River Road Coffee always keeps us going every day. So shout out to Ian Malasa at River Road Coffees. Well, we're joined by Debbie Shelley this morning. She is the assistant editor of the Catholic Commentator, the official Catholic newspaper for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. It's wonderful to have you join us this morning. Uh, I love the cover of this uh, issue of the Catholic Commentator in dark, bold, large font says, Precious Blood. Let's dive right into that cover story, 
Debbie? Well, um, yes, you know, there, there are signs of the liturgical life returning back to um, its pre-COVID form um, with Bishop Duke uh, uh, lifting the restrictions of the offering of the of the chalice. And um, the, there's been a good catechesis and, you know, a, a cautious entering into uh, retraining. Um, uh, for example, Father Jerry Martin, St. John the Evangelist, um, Knowing during the, the pandemic, you know, the church explained that per, uh, parishioners receive the Eucharist. When they receive the Eucharist, they're receiving the full body and blood. Right. And um, after the protocols were lifted, safety precautions were, were put into place. Mm-hmm. And people are entering as they're um, comfortable. Um, Eddie, Father Eddie Martin uh, f- from, you know, St. Philomena there in Labadeville felt the, felt the same thing. About 10% there are receiving it, but whether they're receiving it or not, they're express, uh, you know, expressing appreciation for it being um, you know, offered. And, of course, as daily Mass attendees are, are much higher percentage on that. Yes. And he says no pressure, but people are very welcoming. And, um, you know, more are getting involved as time goes on. And um, now in... Um, St. Augustine in New Roads, uh, Father Joseph Benjamin noted they have a high percentage, about 85% of their parishioners wow. receive communion under both species. And he said it's well received, but we don't force anyone. Mm-hmm. But um, he said there's been a good cooperative effort in everything liturgically, including the return of the chalice. And um, he concluded by saying, we made every possible means to make sure that people received the precious blood in a safe environment, and that is what we did, and people are welcoming it with an open heart. Oh, so in that beautiful. parish, they are really receptive of it. So people are, but, people are um, warming up to the idea is you know, getting yes. back to normal. Well, it's so nice. One more thing to, to lead us back to that, that what you, what you just said to, to normal. And I believe you, you mentioned in the article that father Eddie Martin, when he began his, his ministry, when he was assigned to St. Philomena and the, those tri parishes there that because of the, he started in flu season, they were not offering the precious blood. So this is really the first time in his ministry there that, that he has offered it. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. Yes, he said. Wow. He said that was something new to me. Yeah, every parish he had been in, um, you know, that it had been offered, and yes. uh, they had already started because of flu season, and then you know, um, on it moved in the tam- pandemic after that. Right. But uh, right. it was the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is. Uh, it is noted in the article that it is an option, and that you are. F- fully receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Savior in uh, in the Eucharist, and that, that it is not necessary to receive under both species. But I know there are so many people uh, that are so happy to see uh, that we do have that option. So check out that article on the cover of this uh, issue of the Catholic Commentator. And Catholic Schools Week is coming up, Deli, uh, Debbie. So tell us about the interview with Dr. Patty Davis. Um, yes, uh, Richard Meek sat down with her, and um, she she said we're just celebrating our contributions, um, and we say we educate the whole student, body, mind, and spirit, and we actually do that. And this is her first, you know, year as superintendent, and it's going to be January uh, 29th through February 4th. 
And she pointed out historically um, that 99% of Catholic students in the diocese graduate from high school and 85% earn a college degree. Um, but graduation rates and academic achievements are only part of the story. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, she's perhaps most proud of the quality of the individual graduates. Yes. And um, she pointed out that um, the contribution of Catholic education is evidence in the citizens and their services back to the community. Um, in the community, and she said the background of Catholic education is the close relationships formed with the students, families, and parents. We are very relational, she pointed out. Yes, yes. And, um, she's, and she pointed whether um, or not you're a Catholic, you're always welcome through that door. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Davis herself has spent over 30 years in Catholic education. Wow. And, um, she pointed wow. we evangelize um, in our faith and invite people to come in and be a part of the faith. That's and um, she, you know, the students are taught the importance of the teachings of Christ, and more importantly, that all people are created equal. She right. said by doing so, the students appreciate the um, diversity of people and recognize the cultures of the world. And uh, she said, we know that every child is unique and loved by God, and we mm. can find and encourage each child to reach their individual potential because we value them. And they're going to have various activities during the week. They have the um, Distinguished Graduates Dinner there on um, uh, January 30th, mm-hmm. and then the Catholic School Week Mass, February uh, 1st at St. Aloysius Church in Baton Rouge. Yes. Um, so, and then they got some fun activities. We're going to have the um, St. Michael, the Archangel Diocesan High School in Baton Rouge, and the man from St. Elizabeth School in Pan- Pankerville are going to be performing there at the Catholic Life Center. Right, and that's so something a lot new. Of fun things, that, um, you know, that's going on um, during Catholic Schools Week. That's right. And Dr. Davis, that's something new that she started with uh, St. Michael, the Archangel High School uh, jazz band uh, is performing at the mm-hmm. Catholic Life Center. That's February 3rd. And that's something new. Uh, apparently, there'll be some king cakes there, too. So something new that Dr. Davis is bringing to the diocese to celebrate Catholic Schools Week. She also highlights student service. Uh, and she mentions that uh, public and charter schools are kind of following suit that they see all the good that uh, students from Catholic schools, uh, 30, I believe, in our diocese are doing uh, in the community, and they are uh, following suit. So that's wonderful. Check out that article. Again, Catholic Schools Week is January 29th through February 4th. And uh, Debbie, there's a wonderful article from Father Josh Johnson. He is the director of vocations in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, and he talks about the progress of racism in um, seeing progress in racism among Catholics. Tell us about that article. Uh, yes, he said he's um, seen progress in terms of uh, Catholics being willing to listen to the experience of those who have experienced racism and um, openness among Catholics um, to acknowledge racism as a, as a sin and, you know, continued problem in U.S. society. Um, you know, and the question comes up, how can we do better? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's to continue to lean on the Lord and in Scripture and um, in the Gospels and in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, with an interview with the Catholic News Agency in, in January. Um, and he's, he's the author of On the Earth, On Earth as It Is in Heaven, Restoring mm-hmm. God's Vision of Race and Discipleship 
Uh, it was recently published by Ascension Press. Um, and in the book, it encourages Catholics to seek out relationships uh, with people of other races um, mm-hmm. and striving always to create a society where people of all races and, and backgrounds feel welcome. Right. And uh, his, uh, we call the lone priest in the diocese, mm-hmm. and uh, he's spoken in the past about experiencing, you know, prejudice, both before and after becoming a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's spoken about his uh, perception that most Catholics um, historically have been inattentive um, to racism and more overly entrenched in a left or right political mindset uh, regarding um, the issue. Yes, but yes. two and a half years after the death of George Floyd, this prompted, uh, you know, widespread protests and mm-hmm. national conversation about racism. Mm-hmm. And um, he's seen a lot of progress um, in terms of Catholics um, rejecting the sin. Um, and the fallout actually prompted, um, after Floyd's death, a renewed interest in the U.S. Bishop's 2018 pastoral letter against um Racism, racism, open wide our hearts, um, authored yes. by um, Archbishop Shelton J. Fobb, as we all know, a, a New Roads native. Yes, wow. Um, it, and it, it's a very in-depth article, and he says, uh, you know, my encouragement for, for black Catholics is to pray mm-hmm. well as well, because Jesus Christ is sufficient, God is enough, he says, so even if the community... Even if the community that surrounds us is the only Catholic church in our area, even if they persecute us, Jesus was persecuted and he was misunderstood. That's right. And he was mocked and he was abandoned and he was mm-hmm. uh, betrayed and rejected. And he said, so there's an intimacy with Christ and that to be experienced. Wow. Debbie Shelley, assistant editor of the Catholic Commentator of the official Catholic newspaper of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Pick up your copy at retail outlets in the back of Catholic churches in the Diocese of Baton Rouge and check it out at news.diobr.org. Stick around. The Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul is tomorrow. We'll visit with Steve Ray. It's half past the hour on Wake Up. on a Tuesday morning. We're having a lot of fun. I think it's the Boudin King Cake, to tell you the truth. And uh, with that being said, we have our special guest and someone we just love to bring back to wake up on a regular basis. He's our friend and Catholic convert, Steve Ray. And here to talk about St. Paul's conversion, feast day is tomorrow. And Steve, welcome to Wake Up, and we can't wait to hear what you've got to say, brother. Well, thanks for having me on. I enjoy the feast day of St. Paul. You know, most of the time the feast days are for martyrs. That's how it started out as a way on a yearly basis to remember the anniversary of a martyr when they were born again, so to speak, into heaven. Mm-hmm. But but then they have a couple other splatterings of uh, unusual ones, like a conversion of St. Paul, even a couple churches in Rome and uh, stuff like that. So this is a fun day for me. I like it because I used to be a persecutor of the church 
church, too, in a way. And I also had an experience that brought me into the Catholic Church, so I kind of relate to this guy, although he was much more vicious, I think, than I was. Well, now, Steve, we are getting a bad connection. You're breaking up, so what we're going to do is reconnect, call you right back. In the meantime, uh, the feast day is tomorrow, and Mm -hmm. Steve's right. Normally, martyrs, uh, those who have died for the faith, you know, Mm -hmm. are recognized, but uh, with Paul, uh, which is an interesting story to say the yes, least, you know. Yes. And we hopefully we can get Steve back on rather quickly because I've got a number of questions I'd like to to check with him on. But um, one in particular is the fact that uh, uh, you know Paul was one who was out there persecuting the church. And Mm -hmm. Steve, that's where we left off with Steve, so we're going to get back to him. So, Steve, welcome back. Hopefully this connection will be a good one. You were stating that uh, the Paul... St. Paul was one who was persecuting the Christians, and like yourself, even though you're a convert, you weren't doing it as roughly as he was, as far as I that goes. I wasn't as vicious as he no, no, that's I right. as but, vicious as he But was. I do want to ask you real quick, Damascus, as he was heading there, where is that located? Our listeners would, I think, be intrigued to find out exactly where Damascus is, because you've been there. Yes, I've been there a couple times, and if you go from Jerusalem and go north all the way up through Israel, past the Sea of Galilee and Capernaum, then you're going to eventually go all the way to the northern border of Israel, and that's Mount Hermon. That's 9,000 feet high, mostly Mm. covered with snow, most of the highest point of Israel. On the far left side is Lebanon, and on the far right side is Syria. And if you went beyond Mount Hermon, about 20 minutes drive by car, you'd end up in Damascus. So it's Mm. just north of Israel. And they used to say when the borders are open that you could have breakfast in Beirut, Lebanon, lunch in Damascus, and then drive to Jerusalem for dinner. That's how close they all are to each other. But if you're not driving in a car and and you're traveling, it's a long way. It's over 100 miles that they had to go, probably 150 miles to get to Damascus. And uh, it was it would be very hot there in the summertime, since it can be, you know, 120 degrees up there. And like talking about Paul being rougher than I was, or he, that he was really, they called him Saul of Tarsus. He, did, he had mm-hmm. two names from birth, Saul and Paul. They were his names from birth, but most of the time they referred to him as the Jewish Saul of Tarsus. And it says that he went up to Damascus breathing threats of murder. Mm-hmm. That's what the book of Acts is, breathing threats of murder. And he was going up to a arrest them and bring them back to execute them in Jerusalem. So this is this is about 120 to 50, 150 miles, very hot. And I stood at the point, um, my wife and I, on the dusty road. I even had my sandals. I always try to be as much, you know, authentic as I could. I had my St. Paul sandals on. <laughs> and I remember standing in the dusty road. There's a little chapel there, and it's called the Chapel of St. Paul's Vision. And from there, you can look nine miles down into the valley, and there's the city of Damascus, all like shimmering in the heat, you know, how the heat waves. And it's a beautiful city. And realizing that Paul was just coming around the bend in the road where I was, standing in the dust, and Jesus came down. And I remember when I stood there the first time, and I looked down at Damascus, and I looked at my feet in the road, and I looked up to heaven and imagined that, I really started to weep. And my wife just stood there with her arm around me while I wept for five or ten minutes just thinking of how important it was what happened there on that point in space and time in that dusty road. Because I'm a Gentile, I'm not a Jew. And it's because of St. Paul that took that message out. Because of this thing that happened to him there, 
that I'm probably a Christian today, a Gentile Christian. So this was very impactful for me, very emotional moment when I stood there. Yeah, and and it has to be. And, you know, a lot of people dispute the fact that he actually fell off his horse or was knocked off his horse. Right. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, since you stood right there? Well, I in biblical times, horses were used for military. It, average people didn't use horses. If you mm-hmm. read they had the a donkey scripture, or something. you don't. Yeah. yeah, they were donkeys were used by the poor people, and and usually a mule or a donkey was what a rabbi would ride on. And the the, the really poor people they walked, and so that's I see Paul riding a horse though, because it was a quasi military type um, of a journey. They were on a military journey to go up and arrest people and they were with they had the temple guard with them and when you look at all of the great artwork all of the great masters like caravaggio and others they always paint saint paul falling off a horse Mm -hmm. so i am of the opinion that he was on a horse plus it's over a hundred miles i mean if you you're going to walk all that way you certainly would have said can we get some horses somewhere for this journey Mm -hmm. because it was a long way and it does it's a tough journey yeah, I'm always intrigued by the uh, conversion itself when Aeneas uh, went and took the scales from his eyes. That was a, a, a testy moment for both. And talk about <laughs> trust imagine. in God, huh? Just imagine the guys coming up there with sword on hip and a military group behind him, and he's breathing threats of murder, and all of a sudden, kaboom, he, he hits the ground, and now he's blind, mm-hmm. and they have to lead him like a small child by with his hand. They have to lead him into the city. He certainly entered the city different than he intended to. <laughs> he intended to come galloping in with a sword drawn and a restless Christian. Here he's coming in very humbled, and I'd like to think of it this way. When... Ananias was approached by Jesus. You hear the knock on the door, right? And mm-hmm. Jesus says, I need you to go talk to a guy who's just arriving, he, and I want you to lay hands on him. And so an Ananias says, well, who is this guy? He said, it's Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> Ananias takes a deep breath and says, you want me to lay hands on him? He's coming here to lay hands on me. Yeah. You want me to go... What, what do you want me to, you know, are you kidding? And, and it's hard to, he had to trust the Lord, absolutely, because here he's going out to meet the enemy, but didn't realize what had really happened to this guy, led him back into the uh, into the city of Damascus. And he, and by the way, you know, when, Paul, when Ananias gave him the message from God, he says, Saul, Saul, arise, you must be, accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and ask him to come into your heart, right? No, he didn't say that. That's what I would have said as a Baptist. <laughs> and let's sit, pray the sinner's prayer together, and you'll be saved once and for all. That's not what Ananias said. Ananias said, Saul, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Come on, Paul, why, are you, why do we tarry? Why wait? Let's get you baptized and wash away all your sins. This is what mm-hmm. the biblical message was. Yes, you had to believe in Jesus and have faith in him, but the action then was fulfilled when you were baptized. That's what washed away the sins and made you born again. Amen. And baptized by the Holy Spirit especially. Uh, before we leave, we got one minute. I know you're a man of many pilgrimages. So yes. <laughs> where are we going uh, soon? What can people sign just- up for? Yeah, we just got back from Israel a week ago, and or two weeks ago, and I'm leaving again um, in two weeks. We're taking another big group, and then two groups in February, and another group in March. So uh, wow. if you um, if you want to join, those trips are all sold out. 
but the we still have some open. One trip is already sold out in November, but we still have some trips open in September that are open. And if people want to go, we would love to have you go. And I'll talk about all these things along the way all day long. I have a sore throat by the end of the day because <laughs> I'm sharing with people all these things from the Bible and history as we go to all these sites. So uh, we'd love to have them. Visit CatholicConvert.com. There it is, CatholicConvert.com. Steve Ray, thank you as always, and God bless you, and have some great uh, journeys along the way, and we look forward to hearing some more stories when you come back next month. Thank you very much. By the way, we're also going to Poland. That's one of the hottest spots for Catholics. In August, we're going to Poland, and we still have a few seats left on that bus. Okay, CatholicConvert.com. You'll learn all about those trips. 45 after the hour. It's a great day. Hopefully you're having one already on Wake Up. It is 48 past the hour. Thank you so much for tuning your heart to the truth this morning. I'm Gabby Smith, and our next guest is Gilda Johnson Brister. She's a caseworker with Therapeutic Family Services with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. She does great work, and today she joins us to tell us exactly about the services that they provide in the Crescent City. Good morning, Gilda. Thank you so much for being with us again. Good morning, Gabby. How y'all doing? We are doing great. I always look forward to your interviews. You are just such a joy in the morning, and I think we need that to get us through the day on a positive (laughs) note, Gilda. And you love your job. And tell our listeners a little bit about Therapeutic Family Services. Well, Therapeutic Foster Care, that's what I do. That's what I do. Foster Care, Therapeutic Foster Care is a little bit different than regular foster care in that the Children have had multiple placements, or they have um, a lot of medical needs or problems, or they uh, have been had maybe about nine or ten extra placements. So their needs are a little bit greater than the regular foster care program. My goodness. You know, Gilda, we've been really highlighting foster care and the need for foster parents, especially in the state of Louisiana. In the Baton Rouge area, we were talking to CASA about fostering. Tell our listeners a little bit more about how it is over with uh, Therapeutic Family Services and foster care and Catholic charities, the process of fostering a child in need. Okay, well, you have to be from the age of 18, 21, 21 and older. Really, sometimes we take a, a little bit younger, dependent um, on the needs or if they have, um, I want to say, uh, maybe they were a sibling group and maybe their sibling might have been in foster care at one point and then the older sibling might have been able to um, um, end their relationship with foster care and then they are able to take care of their Younger siblings, sometimes that happens, but we act for the age of 21 and older. Um, and really, I think they have a cap, a cutoff for parents at the age of 65, but sometimes they waiver that depending on the person's uh, experience and their ability. Um, and they just have to be willing to uh, take care of a, per- a child 
who has problems or they have to be able to have a bedroom for the kids, just a bed and a dresser. And most importantly, they have to have the love and the need to want to do it. And that's the main thing. You need people who are willing to nurture and to love and give that extra. Mm -hmm. It's uh, most definitely a calling from God to foster. Can you tell our listeners maybe about a a story about a foster family that sticks with you that maybe can encourage them to look a little bit more into therapeutic family services and and the foster care system? Yes. Recently, wow, I'm glad you asked me that question. Recently, we just had a baby. Uh, He's, well, he was six months old when we got him. Uh, He had stage four uh, kidney disease. So he was in need of a transplant. But before he was able to get the transplant, he needed medical care. Uh, He came from the surrounding Paris little outside of Lafayette, and they didn't have the services that was needed for the baby medically. So the baby had to come closer to New Orleans so he can receive the services from Children's Hospital, where the baby was placed with us. And during the period of time, the foster parents nurtured him, helped him medically. We had him for five years. Uh, he received his transplant in 21, and in December of 22, he was able to go home to his biological mother. That's what we love. That was phenomenal. We were so excited that he was able to go back home to his biological family, and 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 foster mm-hmm. care mainly is to help the biological family be able to get their kids back. But sometimes they don't have the ability or they do not do the case plan to get the kid back. But that case, that was, oh, well, we're still talking about that. And they are doing fine. He's currently with his mom, and he's doing fine. My goodness. What are some things that you feel listeners should learn more about this program? Well, one of the things, we definitely need a need. We do definitely need the need for more foster parents. Um, little kids have a tendency to get placed quicker than older kids. Mm-hmm. Kids who range from the age of from 11 to 17, they are always hard to place. And then if you have mm-hmm. a kid who have multiple problems, they're really, really super hard to place. One of the things I, I, I really want is to find parents or people who are willing to do that extra, you know, to have that extra uh, care for that particular age group. Uh, a lot of times, you know, crime is bad. Everything is happening with the juvenile service. Um, mm. Juveniles are committing a whole lot of crimes, so people are afraid to take the juveniles in that that age group. But all the kids are not like that. Some kids just have a bad break. Sometimes society just can't help who you who your biological people are, your your family is. And so sometimes they don't know how to take care of you. 
And sometimes you just have mm-hmm. a bad breakup too. But if you find a person who's willing to look over all of that, the age and stuff, and just give them the help and the nurture and, and give them the guidance that they need, then that'll be good. My and goodness. Gilda, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, I was just saying that's the kind of person that are people that we are looking for. And they don't have to be, it could be a single person. It could be a, it, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be a, a, a couple. Uh, we love mm-hmm. to have a couple, father and mother, but sometimes it could be a single father, a single mother. And I have a father, uh, a single father, and he has adopted three children with us. Wow. So he's, he's still fostering. He's still That's fostering. Amazing. He adopted three. Last year he adopted a little boy who was 13 years old, and he adopted. Mm-hmm. And he also, and I, and I love this about him, he always seems to adopt the older kids. Oh. You know, he works that population. He works that population that I'm looking for. Eleven, yeah. seventeen. So you know, mm-hmm. we have some people that just focus on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely, Gilda Johnson Brister, caseworker with Therapeutic Family Services with Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. You can go to ccano.org. Gilda, we could talk to you for hours, honestly, about this and hear more stories. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> wow, that's oh called tuning your heart to the truth, Amen. right yep. there. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Beautiful wow. ministry. Very much so. All right. Here's a prayer from St. Francis de Sales. And we're going to wrap up this morning in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My God, I give you this day. I offer you now all of the good that I shall do. And I promise to accept for the love of you all of the difficulty that I may meet. Help me to conduct myself during this day in a manner that is pleasing to you. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Johnny Aver joins us with a gospel reflection. Kathleen Higgins with the Diocese of Baton Rouge, Dina Dow, and so much more. Have a wonderful Tuesday. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Media.